Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. My name is Jesse Moore, and welcome to Icon Leadership Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Icon Leadership Podcast. Today on our show, we have Michael Upmore. Hi, Mike. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. Mike, tell us a little something about yourself. Um, well, um, I am the laboratory manager at uh, Baylor Scott & White Hillcrest. Uh, I've been with the organization for uh, 18 years. Um, started off as a uh, baby med tech and uh, had a lot of opportunities to move up in the organization. Uh, initially intended to be there about two years, uh, signed a contract, and uh, just kept on having opportunities. And uh, 18 years later, I'm still with them. Uh, only regret was uh, not signing a three-year contract uh, to get that extra stipend money initially. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I hear you. So how did you get into leadership? Well, um, I was born into it. Um, you know, born leader, I guess you could say. Um, no, was a little bit of a joke there. Um, so I went to med tech school after I graduated from Baylor. Um, I don't know, just kind of growing up, um, when I was in high school, uh, I was involved in a lot of, uh, uh, like junior leadership, Granbury, uh, grew up in Granbury, Texas, um, where we got to go around town, uh, meet leaders and things like that. Uh, volunteered a lot of places. Um, I was the, uh, vice president of the Catholic student organization, uh, just always kind of branched out and uh, tried to take some uh, leadership roles. Um, even if I didn't try to be a leader, uh, a lot of times people, you know, I'd be the one that they would appoint. Um, once I got through uh, med tech school, um, I started off, um, there was actually, um, there were two places I did not want to work within the laboratory, and uh, that was microbiology and a blood bank. And uh, once I graduated, they said, hey, we have a uh, opportunity and a position open in uh, microbiology. And I said, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> and uh, so I got into that, uh, did it for a few years and uh, really loved it. Um, my intention was uh, at one point to become a uh, dentist and uh, thought that I would work in the laboratory while I was going to dental school. Uh, ended up just really falling in love with the lab. Um, after uh, years working in microbiology, um, we were moving to a new laboratory information system, and uh, I was asked to uh, help develop that. And 
do all the testing and interfaces and uh, validations that are involved um, with uh, implementing new software. Um, uh, really like that. Um, and eventually our laboratory information systems coordinator uh, moved out of state and uh, that position was open and uh, I moved from uh, micro into that position and started doing uh, the computer side, developing tests, um, dealing with, uh, you know, putting in billing, sure. um, things like that. So everything associated with uh, uh, resulting uh, patient results. Um, what was great about that um, is uh, I was also doing tech work on the side um, in microbiology as they needed it and uh, gave me the opportunity um, being frontline staff to uh, understand all the workflows and uh, really develop something that was useful uh, for all the technologists that were there. Um, we did have uh, someone that was running point of care, um, which was, um, uh, it's all like the bedside testing. Um, so nurses that run uh, glucose testing or um, anything that's uh, kind of at the bedside that's not within the laboratory. Um, she ended up uh, leaving abruptly uh, which left a big gap in, uh, in the lab. And uh, at that point, uh, I was asked to help cover that. Uh, so I was doing the LIS, working in microbiology, and now I was doing point of care uh, without any training in it. Um, so it was one of those moments, um, you know, where uh, I just started having to reach out to vendors and saying, hey, I've never used this stuff. How do I even log into the system? You know, it was right. square one. Um, so, uh, that was a uh, trial by fire. Um, you know, it was successful in that. I was covering, uh, all three of those positions, um, for the good part of a year until we finally had, uh, someone that, uh, came in and took over. And, uh, then, uh, the microbiology supervisor, uh, retired and, uh, they said, Hey, you know, would you like this position? And, uh, I said, well, uh, one job or three jobs, and uh, <laughs> I chose the one job at that point, and I got into the microbiology department um, and uh, supervised that. Um, used my skills from uh, all the other experience that I had, and uh, as we uh, lost people uh, in the department, um, we ended up not needing to replace them, and uh, one of the big complaints uh, from uh the core lab, so people outside uh, the micro department. So it would be things like uh, urinalysis, uh, chemistry testing, hematology, um, things like that, um, was that they needed additional people. And uh, there's med techs, unfortunately, are hard to come by. Uh, there's a lot more people leaving uh, the industry than uh, getting into it. I think there's not uh, a lot of information out there, um, you know, a lot of knowledge of the profession. Um, so there's just not a lot of people getting into it. Uh, there's also not a lot of, uh, schools that, uh, uh, just for people to attend, uh, to get a uh, med tech certification. How long is that school? Um, so it depends. Um, uh, MCC here locally, uh, which our hospital does support multiple programs, um, there's, uh, used to be two years, um, to get the uh, certification. They have knocked it down to a year program now. Oh, wow. Um, and that's going to be an MLT. And, uh, so that's a, uh, people that do the work, but do not have a bachelor's degree. And then there's, uh, the higher level, which is a med tech, 
um, and that's a bachelor's degree. And with that, some places have like a three plus one program. So you'll go to, say, Baylor for three years and then one year uh, at a med tech school. And then uh, you'll take your certification and you'll graduate from, say, Baylor with a bachelor's degree. Sure. Um, you can also, uh, I did not know what a med tech was when I graduated from Baylor. So I already had a bachelor's degree before I went to med tech school. Um, so kind of wasted a year, but, uh, <laughs> you know, that's uh, kind of how it goes. So we've been trying to branch out and uh, get to some universities, talk to those people that are in uh, biology programs that don't know what they want to be when they grow up and say, hey, were you aware, you know, do you like laboratory testing and, uh, you know, make that happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, with all that knowledge uh, as a microbiology supervisor um, and as we lost people, um, since I knew all about um, the LIS and programming computers and things like that, um, I was able to uh, change our workflow uh, in the computer uh, to streamline everything. And we ended up uh, doing about 30, 40% uh, more work with 50% uh, less people, and it was easier for everyone. Uh, just because, uh, you know, we cut down people typing in paragraphs for reports to sure. one or two keystrokes sure. and get everything put in. Um, so that was, you know, a really big win uh, for the team. And uh, once um, uh, after that, uh, there was a manager's position that came available uh, within the laboratory, and uh, I was interested in that. And uh, that's where I'm at at this point. Um, uh, I do wear multiple hats. Um, I am manager. I do cover uh, as the microbiology supervisor. I still work with frontline staff uh, twice a week in micro, um, oversee the uh, phlebotomy and uh, processing areas, uh, as well as uh, cover point of care, so training of nurses and things like that. Um, anyway, we, we are trying to find uh, some additional people to alleviate uh, some of the stuff off my plate, uh, but that's the current state right now. All right, good. So tell me, how many people do you uh, have up on the umbrella? Um, right now we have uh, 49 uh, people in the lab. I think the max we've ever had is probably uh, about 56. Okay. Oh, wow. So tell me something about your management style. Um, so I look at uh, any type of uh, I'm very calm um, and at all times. Um, people know that uh, if they make a mistake, um, it's very much of a uh, learning opportunity uh, for people. Um, so, you know, we'll discuss it with the team. And, uh, you know, as long as we learn from it and uh, make sure, you know, we talk about, all right, this happened and what can we do to keep it from happening in the future? Um, you know, that's that's our goal. Right. So would your people, uh, your staff and your employees say the same thing, say that you're kind of low key or would they say, uh, you know, what kind of manager would they say you are? Uh, I've probably been described as a, a little too relaxed uh, at work as well as uh, outside of work. Um, but, right. yeah, that's just my personality. Right. Right. I, I think uh, 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 I, I like to play a lot. You know, I like to have fun because I think that, you know, a, a fun department is, you know, you know, it's a it's a great department, you know, when you have fun, you know. But when it comes down to working, let's OK, let's go ahead and let's get this knocked out. But, Absolutely. you know, we can have fun as soon as we, you know, get everything knocked out. Right. Yeah. So uh, there's definitely uh, that culture and um, at uh, within the micro department, uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, we're in there laughing, things like that. 
And uh, we actually, years ago, uh, used to get the door closed on us because uh, it sounded like we were having too much fun in right. there. Uh, but, uh, you know, we knew how to have fun, but also uh, get a lot of work done right. and uh, just great environment for everybody. So Right. So tell me, uh, you know, this new generation. So how do you lead this new generation, these younger? Um, I think a lot of times um, uh, a lot is asked of uh, leadership. Um, just, for instance, uh, communication. Um, if you're... You know, somebody might want you to communicate via email. Uh, others might want to uh, for you to communicate um, through huddles. Um, but, uh, you know, basically just asking everyone, you know, how would you like this to be communicated to you? Uh, unfortunately, you know, everyone has a different opinion on uh, how they want to be communicated with, uh, which uh, leads to a lot of uh, redundancies. Um, but, uh you know, it's uh, definitely a juggling act to keep everyone happy, um, but you, know, you just have to listen to them and try to accommodate to the best of your ability. Right, right. So tell me, what 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 does it take to be a a good manager? Um, I think uh, communication skills, really listening to people. Um, uh, we started a. I don't know how many years ago, um, but huddle boards um, at the hospital. And uh, what that entailed was, you know, getting people actively discussing uh, issues and uh, coming up with solutions. And uh, what that did for us at that time, uh, you know, it was getting people motivated to make change. And once they saw those changes being made and saw the difference that they could make, uh, you know, you had a lot more buy-in. Um, you know, with that, uh, a lot of times, you know, things that needed to be fixed went outside the walls of the laboratory. Um, so it really encouraged, you know, working with others, uh, working with other departments. And, uh, you know, it was something that when I started uh, as a med tech, um, you know, we didn't do anything like that. Uh, we were siloed. Uh, we didn't really, you know, talk much to other departments. A lot of med techs are uh, introverted and it was definitely outside their comfort zone. Um, you know, but with having that, um, you know, I've seen a lot of people blossom and, uh, I will have to say that, uh, we had probably four or five people that, uh, worked in the micro department that uh, moved on to leadership positions. Um, you know, just from, uh, you know, taking on additional responsibilities within the department, working on projects with uh, other departments, um, participating in uh, inspections of other hospitals. And uh, once they moved to those leadership positions, although at the time, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, why can't I just do my work? You know, this is all extra things. Um, you know, but once they got into a leadership position, they saw how much it helped them, uh, be successful. Um, so seeing those people blossom, you know, under, you know, the leadership, uh, from Hillcrest, um, uh, you know, it's very fulfilling. Sure. Sure. How do you get your staff to buy into a new idea? Um, I think the best way is, uh, for them to come up with the idea, uh, themselves, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just, ask those questions that help them come up with solutions. 
Um, a lot of times if you're suggesting something and they don't want to do it, you know, you're not going to have that buy-in, but if they're the ones coming up with it, obviously right. that's what they want to happen. And, right. um, you know, getting down that road. Right. So how do you, uh, reprimand your, uh, your staff when they, something doesn't go right? Um, I think the best thing to do is, uh, real time, uh, if you can, you know, uh, catch it in real time and address it at that time. Um, that's the best. Um, if it's after the fact or someone, you know, brings up something, um, I try, you know, laboratorians are very, uh, data driven. Um, so try to make sure that, uh, you know, we have data and we're going to say, all right, you know, uh, this was presented, you know, this is what we found. Um, try to have them, uh, explain the situation, you know, back to us and then, um, you know, just make sure that, uh, you know, they know the set expectation, um, what should happen moving forward and, uh, you know, just let them know that, you know, you'll be monitoring progress and sure. would check in, sure. uh, you know, a couple of weeks after to see how it's going. And then, uh, the other thing that I've found valuable is, uh, you know, cause you can't really talk about, uh, disciplinary action on others. So a lot of times if someone brings you an issue about another person or, uh, another associate team member, um, you know, you can't go back to that person and say, Hey, this is yeah, what right, I did. Right. You know? Right. Um, and if they don't see, uh, you know, a change in the sure. behavior or whatever might've been happening, um, you know, they may think that, Oh, well, they don't care. Or they didn't do anything. Um, so I've seen that in the past. And so we always make sure to, uh, go back and say, Hey, you know, we have, uh, addressed this issue. If you continue to see it, you know, please bring it to my attention. Um, right. you know, if you don't, then I'm going to assume it's, Right. You know, you're good to go. Right. Right. So. A lot of times you have people that bring you, you know, uh, situations that, you know, they created themselves and, you know, and started, you know, some confusion with someone else. And then they want you to clean it up. And, you know, that's just not right. You have to get two sides to every story. Yeah. In some of those cases, um, we'll actually get uh, both parties in the room sure. so that we can, uh, you know, squash whatever is happening. Sure. And, right. uh, move on professionally and. Sure. You know, you may not get along with everyone, uh, but, you know, you do have to work together as a team for sure. So when you have those two parties in the room, do you do it? Do you talk to them separately first and then bring them together or how do you do that? Um, well, generally, uh, some sort of a conversation has made its way to me sure. uh, from, you know, someone. And uh, and so, you know, that's already happened. Uh, if I do need to talk to someone, just give them you know, an idea of what we're going to be talking about, you know, um, that might happen, but yeah, most of the time we're just going to get in a room together and say, all right, you know, this is what this person's feeling. This is what this person's right. feeling. Right. How do we come together and, you know, get past this. Right. Right. You know, type of situation. So. so how do you, uh, reward your, your staff? Um, so, uh, we do have a, uh, system, uh, set up, uh, called Encore. And, uh, with that, um, we can go and put in uh, comments. They can be private uh, or, you know, public. And uh, there's points associated with that that uh, they can redeem for, uh, you know, valuable gifts like sure. uh, iPhones and whatnot if you uh, sure. get enough points. Right, right. Um, we do uh, celebrate, uh, you know, successes uh, from people. Uh, we do, you know, have pizza parties from time to time. Um, we ate a lot of nothing bunt cakes, 
uh, <laughs> there for a while. Right, right. Uh, you know, getting to some uh, some comas from all the sugar. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, yeah, we just, uh, at one point, uh, we did a lot of uh, team building exercises. Um, we had people uh, present... Um, uh, basically did like a PowerPoint and they would talk about themselves, what got them into the field. Uh, once everyone, you know, got to talk about themselves, um, we would, uh, about how they got to the field, we'd move on to like extracurricular things, you know, just get to know each other, sure, and, sure. you know, make it more, um, you know, I, I and I, I think a lot of people in the lab would, uh, consider, um, you know, at family, sure. um, right. you know, we come together, uh, for each other and support each other. So, sure. Sure. So you have a relationship with your staff. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Good. So tell me about what is your strength as a manager? Um, normally you can uh, problem solve uh, very quickly. Um, I don't know. I, I think my uh, wife has mentioned this multiple times uh, that uh, can be very frustrating when uh, working on something and not being able to uh, figure out a solution to it. And then, uh, you know, I'll walk in and be like, well, why didn't you just, you know, in two <laughs> seconds and, uh, you know, like, oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, generally, um, you know, I can find uh, pretty quick solutions okay. uh, for people. And um, even when I wasn't a supervisor, uh, I was the go to guy for sure. essentially, you know, sure. if somebody didn't know it, Mikey's going to get it. You right. Know, so. Right. Right. So on the flip side. What would be your weakness? Uh, weakness. So tonight. Ooh, yeah. Superman. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say uh, right now the weakness is uh, uh, just having way too much on my plate. Uh, so wow. there's no possible way that, uh, you know, I could be as successful into everything that I'm attempting to accomplish. Um you know, with everything that is expected of me right uh, Right now. Uh, it makes it difficult because, uh, you know, when you're focused on one team sure. uh, and you're responsible for so many teams, sure. you know, normally a uh, situation with a manager is you would have some supervisors underneath you that sure. would be, you know, looking at those teams. Um, I don't have that for, you know, three sure. or four of the teams. Um, so as, you know, you're focused on one team, then, you know, the other team's kind of upset and, when you focus on that team now, another team's upset. So you're just trying to keep the balls in the air. Right. Um, so it makes it, uh, you know, pretty difficult. Right. And, uh, you know, it's just too much on the plate. Do you think uh, that you have, uh, because you have so much on your plate, you cannot lead the way you're supposed to lead? You can't train. You can't do the proper training because of you have so much to do. I would say that uh, in the past, when I didn't have so much uh, on my plate, um, I did have a lot more of that individual touch uh, right. on the employees where, you know, uh, I could round with all of them. And, sure. um, you know, I think, uh, you know, it was a lot easier to have a really good pulse uh, onto everyone's feelings and uh, know what's happening. Um, now it's, you know, it's, it's a lot more difficult uh, in the situation now. Right. For right. sure. So tell me about some uh, a time that you had you were under pressure at work every day right <laughs> uh, yeah yeah it's definitely uh uh 
tough. Uh, there's a lot going on. Um, the census is high, and especially uh, when COVID hit. Um, I guess that would be a pretty good example. Um, working the working in the lab uh, when COVID hit, and you know there was so much uncertainty uh, out in the public and uh, a lack of understanding of you know just how infectious COVID was, and um, you know how it was going to react with uh, everyone, and um, so we really didn't know much about it. Uh, but what we did know is that uh, we needed a way to test for it. Right. Well, so there wasn't. Uh, a company out there that had a, uh, a test available for us to purchase. Um, so what we had to do is what they call a laboratory developed test. Uh, so basically we got a, uh, cartridge that was empty, uh, for a, a, PCR analyzer that we had. Um, so what the PCR analyzer does is it's going to look at uh, certain DNA sequences, um, you know, to be able to detect if, uh, whatever organism that has that DNA sequence, if that's available in the specimen. Mm -hmm. Uh, so what we ended up having to do is, uh, find, uh, basically every reagent in order to, uh, develop our own tests in order to, uh, detect COVID. Um, so we were having to order primers and things that were going to replicate, uh, the COVID virus that was present in the sample. And, uh, you know, test that out and submit, uh, to the FDA, uh, you know, to the government, uh, for our test that we've developed. Um, it was stressful. Um, you know, at that time people were pretty much in the mindset of, Hey, COVID's everywhere. You know, if you look at it, you're going to get it, you know, <laughs> yeah. and all of that, you know, right. now that we've lived with it for years, you know, it's a little bit different, but, um, you know, I think it was pretty scary for a lot of people for a long time. Uh, especially initially. And uh, what I was having to do is uh, we had to have positive samples for us to uh, test and see, you know, if our analyzer is working. Sure. And at that time in McClendon County, you know, we were for a long time, we stayed very low in our positivity rate, uh, especially compared to other places in Texas. And, uh, but yeah, I was having to drive down, uh, you know, to Temple, to Austin, and, uh, you know, I was driving with uh, positive samples in my vehicle, oh, wow. uh, you know, <laughs> so that I could, uh, you know, come back and do testing and stuff. So it was a pretty stressful time and uh, trying to get that uh, up as quickly as possible. Uh, the other thing that we ran into uh, with all the COVID testing um, was a lack of supplies. Right. Um, so what we ended up doing is uh, uh, once commercial tests became available, uh, through what they call uh, emergency use authorization. Um, we started, uh, getting everything that we could. Uh, so we ended up having, uh, four different analyzers. So four platforms, uh, that could test for COVID, um, all different, uh, one took 18 minutes, one took three hours, oh, wow. uh, one takes uh, about 50 minutes and the other one about 40. And, uh, and basically, when we couldn't get reagents for one analyzer, we would, uh, you know, hopefully be able to get reagents for one of the other analyzers. And when we couldn't get it for that one, hopefully one of the other ones. And, uh, yeah, there was a lot of times when, uh, we were getting pretty close to running out of tests and, you know, I'd have to drive all the way down to Austin, uh, to the manufacturer, you know, to pick some up, 
right. uh, you know, cause people need to know before they're having surgeries or, sure. right. uh, you know, do we need to take precautions on the floor to not get exposed? Uh, so it was very important testing and uh, it was hard to come by and, uh, yeah, just trying to regulate all of it. Uh, it was, it was a stressful time. Sure. And, uh, but you know, the team pulled together did a fantastic job. Uh, we got those tests up and running very, very quickly and, uh, you know, provided that testing, uh, for the community and for sure. our hospital. Yeah. That was a stressful time for all of us. So tell me what's, uh, what's a good day for you? Um, let's see. Today is Wednesday. It feels great. It's a great day. <laughs> it's a Wednesday. Great. <laughs> Cause you, <laughs> Being here with Jesse. All right, all right. Yeah, no, uh, a great day for me, um, you know, going in, uh, seeing the team have a good time at work, uh, knowing that, you know, we've saved some lives uh, doing what we do. Um, you know, I, I don't think that being in any other job, I would uh, feel as fulfilled. Um, you know, it's been uh, quite a blessing to, you know, be able to help people, and uh, also, you know, get paid to do so. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't feel like I would be, uh, you know, as happy in any other job. Right. Um, so you like what you're doing. Absolutely. Love it. Yeah. Good. So what about, uh, tell me, what are some of the, uh, what was, what is one of the most difficult decisions you had to make as a leader? Hmm. Difficult decision. There's nothing coming to me uh, just off the top of my head. Um, I mean, it's never fun, uh, you know, if you have to terminate someone. Well, right. Yeah. Um, But uh, I don't know. I mean, we had... uh, Something that was pretty significant uh, was we had an old hospital that was uh, uh, off a herring here in Waco. And uh, we had a big, uh, we built a new hospital. and uh, We had to move the entire laboratory to another site uh, while making sure that we still kept up with all the patient testing. And uh, we had to make a lot of decisions on... uh, you know, layout and, uh, things like that. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a large, uh, huge undertaking and, uh, a lot of decisions that were going to, uh, affect a lab team for years and years to come. Um, so felt like there was a lot of weight, uh, with those decisions that were going to be made for that. Right. So when you're, when you're dealing with, you know, planning, you, you're promised all this area, all this new room that you, you know, square footage, you know, and all of a sudden they come back three months later and say, hey, we're going to have to use some of this space for this. And then, you know, they come back another three months and say, hey, we're going to use some of this space for this, <laughs> for this department or whatever. Then you end up with, you know, a little tiny spot, you know, that you, you know, uh, that's no bigger than what you left behind. So that's what I had to deal with, you know, so. So I thought we were the only people that had to deal with that, but I'm glad <laughs> we had, we got to share that. But, uh, yeah, yeah we most recently, uh, had that happen to us once again, we're, we're about to have a, uh, a lab remodel, uh, cause we have some, uh, we're going to be getting some new analyzers Great, and, uh, they're very large. And, uh, with that remodel, 
you know, we had to change up like drains in the floor and all sorts of things. And uh, they ended up uh, needing to put in a a new air conditioner uh, for one of the other departments. And uh, the way that they had to run it, uh, they had to build a new wall inside the laboratory. And uh, yeah, it completely wrecked all the plans (laughs) that we initially had. So uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's still happening <laughs> to us to this day, but you know, you got to roll with it. And, uh, so we just altered those plans and, you know, try to make it uh, the most efficient that we could, uh, with the current, with the layout that we have now. So just got to keep going, keep pushing through. So tell me, how do you de-stress? De-stress? Well, uh, hang out, uh, with the family, of course, uh, two young boys, uh, that, uh, crack me up. Pretty hilarious. <laughs> they get it from their dad. Yeah, they're, they're they get pretty it good. Oh man, <laughs> they crack me up. Mm-hmm. Um, I play in uh, seven bands, uh, so I do play uh, drums in six bands and guitar in one. Um, there's some that are located uh, here in Waco, uh, Austin, uh, Fort Worth, and Dallas. And uh, it's kind of the good thing about living in Waco. Um, you're a hundred miles from Fort Worth, a hundred miles from Dallas, a hundred miles from Austin, kind of in yep. that center spot. Right. Uh, so I do, uh, have multiple bands, uh, and, uh, most of them live out of town and I just drive and play shows with them. Uh, and then I also play on a, uh, softball team, which, uh, just throw back to, uh, Jesse. <laughs> uh, we did have a Hillcrest team at one point, but, uh. <laughs> Uh, didn't know if we were going to win any games, but we won a few. Right. It felt great. But uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I've been playing softball since uh, 2004, and uh, we still have a team out there uh, every season. So wow. that's pretty much yeah. as far as de-stressing. That's Rocking it. out and playing ball. That's good. That's good stuff, man. If you could do anything differently, what would it be? Um, In regard to leadership. Uh, leadership. Um, I think I would probably get into, uh, some leadership classes a little bit earlier. Um, I kind of got into a leadership position, uh, without having, uh, you know, a lot of training, uh, on it. It was more of a, you know, let's figure this out. Um, later on in my career, um, we did have uh, leadership training, that was provided uh, through work um, and then also attended uh, some conferences um, that were uh, available and, uh, you know, learned a lot from those. Um, so, yeah, if you can uh, get into those early, especially uh, before getting into a leadership position, uh, but also, you know, if you can find someone that can uh, mentor you. Sure. Um, you know, I've had uh, multiple people that worked under me that, uh, you know, you could tell that, you know, they wanted additional tasks and, uh, you know, at the time, you know, they may not realize the value in it, but, uh, once they were gone, they, uh, reached out to me and said, Hey, I just want to say thank you, you know, for doing that. Uh, you know, this made this whole transition, you know, a whole lot easier and, you know, so. Right. Right. Role model. Absolutely. Who's your role model? Who is my role model? Hmm. I would have to say uh, uh, my dad. Um, I don't know if, uh, you know, I've met a better, nicer person. Uh, if I can live up to, uh, you know, him and uh, his demeanor 
and uh, helpfulness and kindness. Sure. Uh, you know, I've, I've done something in life. That's good. Man. That's good. Last thing. What's the best piece of advice would you give to someone pursuing a career in leadership? All right. This is going to sound a little bit weird, but uh, this uh, I feel like this did get me a long way in all seriousness. Um, you know, looking, looking the part. Um, so uh, when I would turn to 18, I uh, worked at a bank. And uh, working at the bank, uh, you know, I wore a shirt and tie every day. So I had a closet full of shirts and ties. Um, you know, scrubs, I uh, feel like uh, it's pretty much pajamas. Everybody's wearing pajamas. Um, uh, so I, I was wearing scrubs for a while um, in the lab. And uh, they're not the cheapest things in the world. And, you know, I realized to myself, I said, man, I can go and buy, you know, a shirt and tie for like $17, which is way cheaper than scrubs. And, uh, you know, I, I knew uh, where I wanted to move uh, as far as, you know, up in leadership and things like that. And, uh, you know, I started wearing shirts and ties every day and uh, looking the part. And I guarantee I started getting noticed. As soon as I did that, they were like, man, this guy's serious. Right. And, right. Uh, you know, it's people started taking me serious uh, because I looked the part. Sure. And, uh, you know, I word of advice. Look the part. Yep. Dress right. Um, you know, be respectful, work hard and, uh, yeah, you'll be successful. You'll get to where you want to be. Right. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No problem, man. That's all folks. Thank you for listening to the icon leadership podcast. You can find the show anywhere you get your podcast. You can find us at roguemedianetwork.com or you can email us at iconleadership at gmail.com or our website, which is iconleadership.org.